0: and welcome to the feels like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin how are you this evening, sir?
1: Doing well, doing well. What about you?
0: Uh I'm good. We have fought tooth and nail to get here. We've we've waited through about an hour of technical difficulties. And uh, we're still here, though. So that's absolutely outstanding. <laughs> and uh, I have to commend you. You're a very patient person because most people would say, I think there's a rule like in college. If the professor doesn't show up in 15 minutes, and really, this is kind of the opposite because you're kind of the professor here. But if that would be the the cutoff, right? And, and you stuck around for 45. So a student of the game.
1: Yeah, well, anytime I get to talk to you, I- I'm here. I'll wait all night. I'll be here all night. <laughs>
0: No, question, but No, no, friend. no
1: big deal. We're, we got it going. We're ready to go. And Kate, we've got a lot of not a lot of info, but a lot of different topics to hit, I think, on this podcast, kind of a shorter, I guess, agenda as content wise, but we're going to be hitting multiple different sports and talking about some season previews and talking about a guest we're probably going to have on next week that'll help us with one of those previews. So it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: And we're normally short on info, just to be clear, like that's, that's a normal <laughs> thing around here. We have a lot of words, but maybe not a lot of info. So that's, that's very I, true. I <laughs> um, but we should just go ahead and get right into it. Dustin, I know that obviously it's exciting. We're at that point in the year where you've got kind of spring football coming up. Basketball is, I mean, we're a month away from selection Sunday baseball softball kick t- uh teeing off so i don't know how how do you say that they're starting next week uh and you you have everything converging all at once so uh it is very exciting and it makes for an exciting time on this podcast
1: yeah like you mentioned spring football that was kind of the first thing you hit so good job by you i don't know if you have an agenda <laughs> in front of you if that was just off the top of the head but so spring spring football starts up we've got all the staff back you know Coach Gundy mentioned on his radio interview with Robert Allen that everybody was taking a little bit of time off. They're all back. Coach Nardo's just moved in as of I believe today all of that's going on. So they're back working on spring schedule, X and Os and kind of pushing towards next season. From what from my understanding, I saw Polk's report report that spring practice is going to begin after spring break on March 21st. So that kind of goes along with what we've seen in previous years pro day on campus at Oklahoma state will be March 29th. There'll be 15 practices. It sounds like they may switch it up a little bit, the schedule this year to make it Monday, Wednesday and Saturday practices. I know they've had some practices on Fridays in the past. I think that'll help out a little bit with some of the recruiting going on to ensure that if recruits can't come during the week, they can, they can make it on Saturday. And then I'm assuming that the spring game will be sometime in that April 20th, April 22nd range. I think Saturday Saturday's April 22nd. So it'll be a lot of fun. I know Coach Derek Mason's been gone for several weeks. So the new, the new defensive staff with Nardo in there, kind of everybody moving around with Joe Bob as co-DC, Duffy getting moved into the passing game coordinator spot. That's all taking place now. I think a new defensive analyst is in because I was told that, Bill Clay has retired. I don't know who that is yet. I haven't seen it reported, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. There's not, not a ton of news, but a lot of dates coming out related to spring football and kind of the schedule moving forward.
0: Yeah, I said last week that I think this is probably going to be the most anticipated spring game that I can remember. Um it certainly will be for me. I would imagine that there are is a uh, section of the Oklahoma State fan base that feels the same way. I mean, you're breaking in a new defensive system, you're breaking in a new quarterback, uh, Ollie Gordon, you're gonna get to see in, in you know, full go. So I am pumped for the spring game. And uh, I'll be honest, I have only made the trip up there a couple of times. It's a must-go this year. I will absolutely be there. So
1: it's a lot, last year was a lot of fun. Normally there's baseball as well. Right. I think. A lot of the times it falls on one of the parents' days for Stillwater as well. So it's normally pretty packed. So if you're looking to book a hotel room, I would say to do that uh, three or four months oh, ago. Man of the people right there. Nice call. <laughs> last year, they were really expensive, but we had a, we had a lot of fun last year. Friend of the podcast, Alex Fuller, went up there with us, and we had a great time going to the spring game and then to baseball. So... Not much news right now. I know that recruiting, we'll get to that in a little bit, but the dead period lifts February 28th. So there probably won't be a ton of football news. You know, the portal doesn't open again until May. Guys can still join teams, but now that classes are going and everything like that, that probably won't happen. Or if they join, they won't actually be here until the summer. So Cade now will continue updating with any football news that we hear about. We'll, we'll obviously talk more depth chart. And when anything happens related to football, we'll bring it up on here, but that's kind of really it related to the current football team. But Cade, there's been some former Oklahoma State players participating in some of these end-of-the-season all-star games like the Senior Bowl, the East-West Shrine Bowl, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, Did you get a chance to see any of the practices or any of those games?
0: I only got to see what you put out on the Twitter account. And then I got a chance to look a little bit into, you know, how Tyler Lacey was doing Jason Taylor, but nothing deeper than that. Unfortunately,
1: I got to catch one of the senior bowl practices and Jason Taylor didn't participate in that one. He only participated in one day because he was coming from the NFL PA collegiate bowl, I didn't get to watch any of the games, just the highlights, like you said, but it looked like most of the Oklahoma State guys that participated did really well. So the the first one was the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, and Jason Taylor had – he led his his side in tackles with six. He also forced a fumble, which I put a video of up on our Twitter thread. He was all over the place, and his play in that game ordered him – or got him a late – invite to the senior bowl. I don't know how often that happens, but that was pretty cool that he was able to kind of show up there. Braden Johnson was also in that game. I didn't see a statistic from him. Then there was the East East West Shrine Bowl. Matt Himbro, former Oklahoma State long snapper, participated in that. He's going to make an NFL roster, Cade. I don't, I mean, obviously I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he will make an NFL roster. He's got
0: to be the most respected and talked about long snapper in the big 12 ever and maybe ever because
1: he's a guy that the like goat at long. Yeah. Snapper. I
0: think he might actually be.
1: <laughs> so that, that was the only Oklahoma state player I know of that was in that game. And then the senior bowl had Tyler Lacey. And like I just said, Jason Taylor, Lacey absolutely dominated. He had half a sack, he had a QB hurry looked really, really good. Max Duggan was in this game. This is the game that kind of had a lot of the big-time names that are going to be in the draft that are seniors. Jason Taylor, he assisted on several tackles. I didn't see many highlights of him. I think he had a little bit quieter performance than the collegiate bowl, but still awesome that he got to play in that. I think Tyler Lacey probably helped his draft stock here. You and I already think it's pretty high. I'm thinking he's probably – I know you – before the season last year and before his injury, you and I said maybe second, third round. We we were really high on him. I think he's probably more of a fourth, yeah, fifth round guy now, but I still think he gets drafted. And I think Jason Taylor is going to get drafted, even if it's fifth or sixth round, because I think he's going to perform really well at the combine.
0: Well, I think Tyler Lacey, you know, he didn't necessarily have production-wise the year we expected. Then you tack the injury on. I think that second or third round kind of, hope was based off of an expected jump, even from the year before we didn't see that. We kind of even saw a step back and it's, it happens all the time, but I I do love that he went out to the senior bowl and showed some good things and helped himself in the process. And then Jason Taylor making that tackle with, with the forced fumble. I, I loved it. Loved every second of it. Don't get me wrong. Kind of felt bad for the Missouri guy because you know, he's it's like, the score. <laughs> that's like, I mean, in, in a setting like that, everybody's watching and everybody's like, it's a checkbox or it's an X. And that was one big X right next to that poor kid's name. So
1: (laughs) that's a great point. I didn't even think about that player. I was only thinking about normally, I'm only thinking about myself but in this case. I'm only thinking about Oklahoma state. So, uh, Kate, before we move on to just a quick note on recruiting, And get out of football into basketball what did you think of tyler lacy's helmet so you know these guys normally take they take the decals from other players and they'll put everything on their helmet tyler lacy's was the full body pistol pete on one side and the cursive cowboys on the other on the white helmet with the black and orange stripes down the middle that's pretty elite i mean i you'd never wear that in a game obviously with two different decals but if that was his idea to wear that for the senior bowl practices, it looked pretty awesome.
0: Well, I saw some crazy people advocating to wear it in a game and I, lo- I thought it was super <laughs> cool looking, but it's like, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, I think Carson Creek has the swing Pete football helmet. You would never wear that in a game, but there, there is a loud portion on Twitter. That's like, we got to see this in a game. I'm like, mm, do we though? And, and what?
1: Yeah, if you could mix and match one, if you were in the Senior Bowl, which I know you have the athletic ability to do, oh, yeah. what would you throw on there? If you did two on each side, or actually, just give me, give me whatever you want on your helmet.
0: What a fantastic question! This, you this, want is... give, you
1: want to give you mine so you can think for a second.
0: Well, I feel like you're going to say it, but go ahead.
1: No, there's no way you're going to say what mine is. Okay, no, I'm taking, go ahead. Yeah. I'm taking the Paisley barbed wire pattern and just doing lines down the helmet, kind of like the Michigan Wolverine style helmet. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so you
0: actually took somebody else's sticker and put it over the top of yours. I didn't realize we could do that. I didn't realize- I'm we were... just,
1: I'm creating a new logo, basically, a mixture.
0: Oh, wow. I- would go.
1: <laughs> this really is and that like, wasn't real either. Let's... I would probably, I would probably take all of the Pistol Pete logos, including like you talked about the swinging Pete, accounting and finance Pete, chemistry Pete, and put them all over the helmet.
0: So I would actually take, I would take a blank black helmet with a stripe down the middle. We'll just go with the orange stripe down the middle, and I'd print off. 150 tiny osu marshall badges and stick them on the helmet like an ohio state buckeye would stick Ooh, their buckeyes on
1: i like that i <laughs> just like that. make these up are, my own thing don't steal these oklahoma state equipment team that doesn't listen to our podcast don't yeah. steal these ideas
0: uh, yeah yeah please don't
1: please don't honestly if if anybody wants to send us what they would put on their all-star game bowl game helmet it can even include other college decals, or if you want to mock one up and send it to us, we would love that. Uh, you guys, you know, love when we are, we love to ask you guys questions and send stuff in. So feel free to send us any ideas that you have. I, w-
0: I would also leave one side blank and I would put 45 on the other.
1: Oh, yeah. I like like that. I would,
0: I would fill one in and then it's the number 45 on
1: the other. I would just put the. I should have just said that at the beginning. I just put the Feels Like 45 logos on there.
0: Well, that was low-hanging fruit. Your initial idea was way more <laughs> creative and better. Marv's yeah, I mean, somebody Microsoft paint that for us, if you don't mind. Could they, you put a mock-up together for us so we can see that?
1: They would like not let me on the field. They would be like, sir, that's too ugly of a helmet um,
0: i'm gonna start turning to our imaginary producer and act like we're actually looking at a like a, a tweet or a mock-up of something would you pull that up for me let's take a look at that and pull
1: that up we uh, do need a, we do yeah. need someone like that we, we could we do a bit get, like that we could probably get uh we could probably talk lauren my wife into doing that for us maybe like for one episode hey is this uh, is this
0: really what we do when football is like <laughs> you know kind of gone
1: Well, I don't normally throw out those hypothetical jersey or helmet questions, but after seeing Tyler Tyler Lacy's helmet, I thought I had to ask you.
0: Yeah, no, that was awesome. You know what I love? I love when they flip the rival sticker upside down. I think that's fantastic.
1: Saw several images of that. I think there was a Kentucky one that was flipped upside down by somebody. It's awesome. I love the those all-star games. I think they're a lot of fun. I think the players always have a ton of fun with it. The coaches that are there coaching the practices always have a lot of fun with it. The fact that ESPN broadcasts the senior bowl practices is awesome. You literally are just watching a practice. And I know some people may think that's a little boring, but just for an hour. Or so it's, it's really fun to watch. I mean, you don't want to sit there all day and watch a five hour long practice, but it's a lot of fun to kind of watch all these guys compete together. And you can tell they're having a lot of fun and they're getting coached up by these NFL. Normally it's NFL position coaches that are the DCs and the head coaches and stuff like that. So it's really awesome. And it gives you a, a lot of eyes on yourself while you're performing in these practices and the games for the NFL draft, so it, it's it's a pretty awesome experience, I think, to get invited to these.
0: Well, and it's for that you know kind of next crop it, or that next tier, I should say. You know, your first rounders aren't going to the Senior Bowl; they kind of know where they're at. They're training, but for those guys in round two and a half on down, it's a great opportunity, and that makes for some interesting competition. You see guys giving it their best shot, and I, I love it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's awesome. All right, well, Kate, okay, let's wrap up football. So I just wanted to hit one note on recruiting. So it's I mentioned it earlier, dead period. So no in-person contact on or off campus through February 28th. So there'll be a little bit of a lull right now in recruiting. We'll, we'll obviously be heavy basketball, baseball, softball, and stuff like that, like I mentioned going into there. One note, Todd Bradford was recently on with Robert Allen, similar to how Mike Gundy was on his radio show, And Robert Allen was asking him about junior days, which is normally when a lot of the junior high school class will come in. They'll normally have a huge group on several different days throughout kind of the period, outside of the dead period. It sounds like this year and probably moving forward, Oklahoma State is going to start on March 1st, having all these different prospects in smaller groups, basically every single weekend and even during the week until they break in June, because I think they're trying to give these guys a little bit more personalized experience than these huge, big junior days that have, you know, 40, 50 more people. So I thought that was a pretty cool idea and we'll see how it kind of works out, but I think it's going to be a lot more individualized. Family will be up there. Each visit will be geared towards that specific player Or that specific small group of players, you know, if it's several guys that are wide receivers, they might kind of gear it all together, and you know, go for all three of those guys instead of if there was a lineman and a wide receiver, they'll they'll probably break apart. But I think it'll actually help out recruiting, and I like this idea from Oklahoma State because we know how heavily the transfer portal is being utilized, and Mike Gundy mentioned some of these high school guys are now flying under the radar. If you can give them these awesome personalized experience some of these maybe even higher star recruits that Oklahoma State doesn't normally land, right? they might take to this and go ahead and choose Oklahoma State and commit to Oklahoma State. So I think there's several positives to this. And if they can work it out to where they're still able to get everybody in, because that's the thing with the junior days, you can get everybody in all at once. But if they're still able to get everybody in before they break in June, I think it's an awesome idea.
0: I do too. And I, I really love it from the, you know, note you just kind of said the idea of building a personalized relationship with a potentially high caliber recruit is a great idea. And a lot of these kids, their first exposure and offer is made at that junior or senior day, whatever may come first for them. So, um, I love it from that perspective and I love it from an innovation perspective. This is not something that other schools are doing. This is not, you know, being behind the curve and adapting to what others are doing. This is an innovative idea uh from Mike Gundy and the program. So I love it and I'm excited to see, you know, kind of how it helps out. It's also an interesting twist on, you know, we've we've talked about how the portal impacts high school recruiting. I, I don't think the portal has anything to do with this. And in fact, it kind of shows an, another level of commitment to that high school recruitment uh, operation that they're running currently. So very interesting. Absolutely love the note.
1: Yeah, awesome stuff. And, Cade, that's that's all we have for football this week.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, maybe we should get to the star of the show in the Oklahoma State men's basketball team right now because I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as as an, a what-if. Can they go on a tear Can they, you know, rob two in a row? Can they beat TCU at home? Well, they have won five out of six, and they have the worst team in the Big 12 in Texas Tech at home tomorrow, which is a bit of an oxymoron. Texas Tech just beat Iowa State at home. They took Texas to the wire in Austin. So worst team in the Big 12 is still like a a good team in a bunch of other conferences. So you welcome Texas Tech into Stillwater tomorrow. But Dustin, before we even get to that, let's go back a week. I mean, Oklahoma State takes down Ole Miss, no problem at all. And then you go to Bedlam, and I said it on the podcast last week that if there was a game I thought they were going to lose in this upcoming stretch, it was that one. They did not lose it, and it never even got close. Oklahoma State leads wire to wire. Caleb Boone uh, becomes a man before our eyes, and absolutely The, the story was created two weeks before it when I said Oklahoma does not belong on the same floor athletically with Oklahoma State. And then what happens? Two weeks later, it is proven again. And I, I think if those two teams played again in the Big 12 tournament, it would look the exact same. And I think they could do it 10 more times, and it would look the exact same. Land the smackdown to OU is a really, really, really cool feeling.
1: Yeah, it was a complete beatdown. Like you just said, the the final score is 71 61 Oklahoma State it wasn't even that close yeah Caleb Boone goes off early I think he had like eight straight points to like start the game and they go into halftime with a 42 28 lead Caleb Boone has 12 uh Avery and BT both had eight it was just a complete it was just complete domination in the first half and in the second half they really held on to the lead pretty much the entire time never trailing throughout the contest the crowd a lot of <laughs> Oklahoma State fans in the crowd they're getting loud with some orange power chants Caleb Boone continues to call oh, OU little brother and his post game presser it's Mike Boynton's hundredth win in the Bedlam game it's just it, it was a lot of fun the only thing that would have made it any better was the game being at home but overall great defense from Oklahoma state in this game. It, you know, we talk about the offense so much, you, especially you and I on this podcast, we talk about the woes that were happening with the offense earlier in the season. And I think it kind of took away because Oklahoma state was losing some games from yeah. how good this defense really is. I know we mentioned it on here, but when the offense is clicking, now you can kind of see how really, really elite this Oklahoma state squad is on the defensive end of the floor.
0: Well, and it it does back up a little bit of our our one of our theories to the struggles earlier in the season was they're playing such good defense and it it might have made things harder on the offensive end where you've got guys that, you know, are primarily out there and, and this this may be a little bit of a hot take, but a guy like Avery Anderson, for example, he wasn't out there for his offense early in the year he's out there for the way he leads the offense and the way he plays defense it wasn't for his scoring early in the year and it came out you know last couple of weeks he's really turned it on but dustin it was the quintessential friend for said it on the call perfectly it's what mike boynton wants this basketball team to look like i mean avery anderson creating leverage on the ball screen lobbing it up kicking it out it's It was perfect. And then guys actually hit shots, and things look a whole lot different when that happens. And Dustin, it continues a trend. Oklahoma State scores above 70 they are likely going to win. They have only lost one game this year, Dustin, where they have scored above 70 points and they scored above 70 twice this week and almost scored 80 without Avery Anderson. So you just got to hope that they can continue this. We'll get the TCU here in a minute, but I mean, Caleb Boone, we, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss his bedlam performance along with Musa Cisse, those two guys together, um, Tandra Groves, I, I think at halftime, had to change out a pair of shorts because it was an ugly scene for him. And he couldn't even stay on the floor in the second half. I don't know if you noticed this, but they didn't even throw him back out there. It's just too dominant.
1: Yeah, Boone looked incredible early in the game and then kind of kept it going. Musa looked great. He's really rounding back into form. You can tell he needs to... You could even tell it in the TCU game. He still needs to get in that cardio shape because he's looking gas when he's out there for long minutes. And Coach Boynton talked about it, I believe it was after the OU game, how he's trying to keep Musa out there as long as he can because he wants him to get in that game shape. Even when he sees him tired, he's as long as he's not really causing a detriment on either end of the floor – He knows he's tired, but he's going to leave him out there and try to get him to fight through it as much as he can because he's got to get back into that shape as we move through Big 12 play, and especially without Avery Anderson. I know those are completely different positions, but I'm assuming Moose's minutes increase a little bit there too with Avery being out, just as I think other people's will. So it's awesome to see that. And then, you know, Woody Newton, 10 rebounds, and then plays... Really solid defense. I know he was guarding Jacob Gross for a little bit. He was guarding Jalen Hill. Another amazing performance from him. And us, along with him, Bryce Thompson, five assists. Guys are just contributing in different ways. And like you said, 75 points, 82 points, 71 points, 79 points. Even in the loss to Texas, they're still scoring above 70. The offense is really firing on all cylinders right now. And I know we've got the news we're going to get to about Avery Anderson, but even in the TCU game, yeah. I know they're without Lampkin and Miles, but 79 points without Avery Anderson on the floor. The offense is just clicking right now.
0: Yeah, there's no question. And I I even think, you know, TCU's ability to put up 73 is kind of an anomaly. If you would have told me that going into the game, I would have thought, no way, that, that Oklahoma State gives up 73 to TCU with no Mike Miles and no Eddie Lampkin but you look at where their production came from. They had five scores over over 10 points, one of them in Jacoby Coles, who scored 14 more points than his season average. So it was a little bit of an anomaly, and I wouldn't look too far into that. But it does lead you to a question of, like, what does this team look like without Avery Anderson? I don't know if you're quite ready to get to TCU yet, Dustin. I mean, I I think we should probably give a shout-out to the OSU fans in Lloyd Noble Center, making a lot of noise at the end of that game, chanting SEC orange power. You could hear it on TV. Um, I will miss beating OU in basketball. I can say that (laughs) I will miss Mike Boynton's uh, fire in the belly uh, to beat OU. And that's not a shot at Mike Gundy. Absolutely not even apples to apples at all here, but I will miss it because six out of seven against OU in basketball is a really, really cool feeling. And there's, there's some stories uh, I could probably share, but won't on this podcast about, I think the way Mike Boynton feels about spending time in Norman.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it was awesome to see and great. know, was eight and five in Bedlam games. That's pretty incredible. And eight and
0: five. And I would say those earlier OU teams in his tenure were better than OSU. And so the 6 out of 7 stretch that he's on right now is is uh, an absolute tear.
1: Yeah. And like you said mo- moving to TCU so Oklahoma State wins that game 79-73. As we mentioned, TCU's without M- Mike Miles and Lampkin, their big guy. So two of their better players are out of this game, but Avery Anderson is also out for Oklahoma State. And the Cowboys are able to move to 5 and 5 in Big 12 play, 14-9 overall. On the back of a 25-point, 11-of-15 shooting, six-rebound performance from our guy, Caleb Boone. kid. I don't know how many more flowers we can give him. We're running out of flowers.
0: <laughs> We've we bought out the flower shop. I mean, at this point, it's like, you just got to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, and th- he gets some help from Caleb Asbury, who's starting in play his first start in place of Avery Anderson. He scores 19, three of six from three. You asked, you know, what does this team look like going forward without Avery Anderson? Avery is an elite defender. I'm not saying Caleb Asbury is anywhere near him in that department, even though I do think Asbury gives a lot of energy on that side of the floor. But something that Avery doesn't bring on offense is Caleb Asbury's ability to hit shots from deep. Yeah, And if he can do that consistently, if he can take six, seven, eight threes a game and make two or three of them, that's going to be a pretty big boost to the Oklahoma state offense. I don't know if it completely makes up for what Avery Anderson gives you on the defensive end of the floor, but it kind of, you know, makes it a little bit more of an even there. If Asbury is able to do that, and I know he's going to have some off nights, but if he can consistently be around a high 30% three point shooter on these starts and playing, you know, upwards of 30 minutes a game, that's going to be big time for this Oklahoma state offense.
0: Well, you look at the guard play in this game alone. John Michael Wright with 17, Caleb Asbury with 19. And you had Bryce Thompson and Woody Newton combined for seven points. If if you would have told me that, I would have thought that this was pretty dicey. But the X factor, obviously being Caleb Boone's 25 points. I I like to think big picture in basketball, because I don't think you can ride the wins too high. You can't ride the lows too low, but or ro- ride the losses too low, I should say. But I look ahead at this schedule and I don't know who's going to guard Caleb Boone in the, in the rest of this conference. I think you have a potential issue with Iowa state's big man, but I don't think they have enough to rotate in and out to where you can cover Caleb and Musa. You look at KU, they don't have a big man. You look at, uh, uh, I'm sorry. You look at, um, oh gosh, Texas tech. They don't have a big man either. You look through the the rest of the schedule And I think Oklahoma state has a distinct post advantage in every game. They're going to play the rest of the way. And if they run things through Caleb and you get a little bit extra out of Bryce Thompson, and I would imagine that a little bit returns to the mean with a John Michael Wright or Caleb Asbury. But if you get a little bit more out of Bryce Thompson and just continue to feed the rock to your big men, those three wins I think you need to get into the NCAA tournament, I think are going to come.
1: And if, teams continue to double team Caleb Boone, like you're noting, like how, how are they going to guard him? If they continue to double team him? if you've got Asbury and John Michael Wright on the floor, they're going to be open from three. And we know these guys can hit it. I know there's been some inconsistency issues with both of them at times. And Asbury's a little bit more, cause I think he's losing a, bit, a little bit of rhythm, not playing consistent minutes every night, but, or all season. But if, if these guys get open looks because Caleb's getting double teamed, they're going to make them. I, yeah. I mean, both of these guys are good three-point shooters. And Coach Boynton, after the TCU game, Cade mentioned something that kind of interested me a little bit. He said that John Michael Wright has had some issues kind of figuring out how to be that third or fourth scorer, being behind in Avery Anderson, Bryce Thompson, Caleb Boone because he's always kind of been the number one guy at his other stops. Not saying losing Avery Avery Anderson is a good thing, but it kind of bumps him up the depth chart of scores on this team. Maybe he becomes a little bit more comfortable like we see him in this 17-point performance now that he kind of has to score with a guy like Anderson, who's taken a lot of shots in some of these games, who's averaging, I think, almost 12 points a game, is no longer going to be playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's clear with John Michael Wright that he's gifted offensively. I mean, his ability to just spot up and shoot um, is not something Oklahoma State has had in a point guard. You can't count King Cunningham in that. We, we can't talk about him when you talk about this. It's not the same thing. But if you throw him out, I don't know the last time that you had a guy that, that can go get a bucket at the point guard spot like John Michael Wright can. And I would say when he doesn't have the ball and he's not initiating the offense, this is not a knocking Avery session. But at times, Avery Anderson could disappear unless it was a transition opportunity. John Michael Wright moves without the ball. You watch him, you can find him in the corner. You can find him on the wing. He moves without the ball when he doesn't have it, and it leads to opportunities. And his five points late in that game against TCU, when they had retaken the lead, come when he's assertive on the offensive end so I do wonder you know to your point Dustin he's had a a really nice stretch the game that he didn't score as many points his, the five against OU he only played 20 minutes and and his shooting was you know one of five and I, I don't know if that's enough to go off of so to me I'm excited to see what he can do I think you what you do lose and this is where we probably talk a little bit about Bryce Thompson we can't get through this without talking about him I think what you lose without Avery Anderson is an ability to more often than not <laughs> safely initiate the offense. How many times on on Saturday did it feel like TCU was denying everything, even the entry pass into the offense and taking it the other direction? That's a big deal. That is a big deal that opponents will key on. Hopefully, Oklahoma State notices that and hits a little backdoor action and and all that goes away. But until that happens, it's a concern that I have. Because I don't know, you know, from a ball security perspective, we know about Avery Anderson's turnovers, but he knew the offense. And I, I, I fear a scenario where you've got John Michael Wright, Caleb Asbury, Bryce Thompson. It's not a lot of game experience, game familiarity in this system with those three guys. But again, if Bryce Thompson figures out a way to not turn the ball over six times and score four points, like let's score more points than you turn the ball over, like that would be a start. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a a great point by you, and I'm actually kind of glad that TCU was able to do that so they can get that on film, and they were still able to get the win with, like you said, the six turnovers from Bryce and the 16 as a team. So at least they've got something to build off of, but that's a great call out. You lose some of the seniority there. You know, Bryce Thompson, I know he's been with the team for a little bit now, but transferring from Kansas. Asbury and John Michael Wright are new guys and you're losing Avery Anderson who's been with this team for a while and it looks like may not be anymore after this wrist injury. So wish him all the best, obviously. I'm sure it'll be fine. Coach Boynton mentioned it's his offhand wrist, which we knew he just keeps kind of re-injuring it. So after he has the surgery, especially with it being his non-shooting hand, I think he'll be good to go and ready to take kind of the next step in his career. But I did want to mention Cade before we kind of talk about a little bit more, maybe about this team looking forward without Avery Anderson. Caleb Boone was the Big 12 player of the week. His last four games, he's averaging 19.8 points per game. That is unreal. I mean points a game.
0: Yeah, 20 points a game as a in college. You know, a right, as a uh center in college. And I mean, it feels like he can get 40 if the game was just a little bit longer,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Cade, are you okay if we hit a couple of Twitter questions right now related to Avery Anderson? We got three of them. Yeah. I know we don't normally insert them into the middle of the podcast. We might but as well. Just, just since we're talking about it and so we don't have to go back to it later and kind of mess up the flow. So... I'm going to read all three and then we can kind of hit them all because they're all relatively similar. We've got MB poke. That's at Mark Buley one. He says, how do you think Avery Anderson being out will affect the rest of the season? And how many wins do you see us getting from here on out? Then our guy, Brandon Ramos at Brandon Ramos. Thanks Brandon for the question. And thanks. Thanks Mark. He says, just like how say getting hurt, was a blessing in disguise. Will Avery's injury be the same for guys like Chris Harris, Asbury, and JMW to get more minutes and deepen the lineup? Or will his impact be missed more than we realize? Mm. And then the last one is at Brown B High. He, and the Twitter name is the same as the handle there. Thank you for that. Thank you for this one. It says, I hope MB Mike Boynton doesn't ask Bryce to shoulder more of the point responsibility as he's a little loose with the ball. Bryce should be on the floor when we are playing one big, if both Caleb and Cissé are on the floor, I prefer some combo of John Michael Wright, Asbury, Woody, Keon, Harris, something like that. Thoughts. So all of these questions, basically asking, how do we think Avery's absence will impact the team? And then where do we think this team kind of goes from here on out? How do they finish up the season?
0: Well, I think it, impacts the team in pretty significant ways. I think his absence puts
1: you in a position
0: that I don't think Mike Boynton wanted to be in, which is where you're having to rotate Caleb Boone and Musa Cissé on the floor together at times. And we had seen kind of a shyness and effective shyness, I should say, to not having them on the floor at the same time. Uh, the offense truly opened up. There was a question about, is it a blessing in disguise? Avery's injury, the way Moose's was? No, uh, because I, I think that Moose's injury showed you that you if, if you have Caleb on the floor at once by himself, the offense opens up. If you have Moose on the floor by himself, the offense stays open. Without Avery Anderson, there is a, a stretch of game that will probably last seven to 10 minutes where both of those guys are on the floor at the same time. And what did we see Dustin in the second half, the offense really grinded to a halt. Um, I think they were able to score, you know, uh, upwards of 30 points in the second half, but it was a slog to get there. And um, I do think that that's a little bit of an indicator of potential problems down the road. And so I would say that Avery's, you know, injury, unless it does help a John Michael, Wright. I don't see how it can be a blessing in disguise because it's a it's a wait and see. I think Moose's injury was like very quickly you saw, okay, this is going to be okay. If if Oklahoma State goes out and scores 55 points tomorrow night against Texas Tech, I, I might push the button as this, this might be a big deal. So I don't know how you feel about that.
1: No, I, I agree with you. You're talking about losing 11 points a game. 28 minutes a game, your you're leader in assists per game at 3.4, a guy that averages a steal and a half per game, and a pretty good rebounder for a guard at 3.5 yeah. rebounds a game, which I know Mike Boynton's been asking the guards to get a little bit more involved in the rebounding now that kind of gone away from CSA and Boone playing a lot of minutes together. It's a lot to make up for, not to mention that he normally guards the other team's best guard and brings the same intensity all game that he starts the game with, which is 100% hustle all over the place, really irritating the other team's ball handler. And I don't think there's a guy on the team that can really replace his energy on the defensive end at that spot. I think Caleb Asbury is a great player. It's awesome that Caleb Asbury is on this team because I think he can make up for a lot of the deficiencies on the offensive end while still bringing energy on defense. But, kid, my worry is when you pull Asbury off the floor, what do you really do with that guard?
0: Yeah, where does the – well, we saw it. They'll they'll throw Chris Harris or Keon Williams out there. I think at one point you had a lineup of Keon Williams, Chris Harris, John Michael Wright – uh, I think it was Musa Cissé and there was a fifth out there. But I, I, when I saw that, it's like, okay, who's going to score? And what we saw was a really, really poor performance. So Dustin, I, I think it's a great point. I don't think it lowers the potential ceiling of this season. Um, I don't think Avery Anderson is the difference between the sweet 16 and, and uh being in the NIT. I don't think it's that significant, but, I think you could see down the road some of the intangibles that Avery Anderson brought that that will be missed. Um, and there's another scholarship that Oklahoma State doesn't have. So now they're down two scholarships in 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 this rotation and it feels that way. I don't I don't think Boynton loves the idea of throwing Keon Williams and Chris Harris out there together. But there are teams in this conference that you can do that against, but TCU being so high powered on offense and they are legit legit um, was was a difficult team to do that against?
1: I think the drop off from Asbury to Harris and Keon on defense is pretty significant, yeah. And the drop off from Avery Anderson to those guys is very significant. So that's something we'll have to watch for. But I agree with you. I, I think I think this team can still make the NCAA tournament. Kate, I know we did this, we did this on a pod, a couple pods ago, talking about them winning. Ole Miss, OU, and TCU. If they could do it, we both said they could. They did it. Maybe we helped them a little bit with some luck. I'd like to give us some credit there. Me too. So let's look at this. Let's look at this next three game stretch. You've got Texas Tech tomorrow at home. You got Iowa State away, and then you got KU back at home on Valentine's Day. What do you think they need to do, and what do you think they will do in that stretch? Personally, I think if you just grab the Texas Tech game you can you can still make the tournament losing those next two. It'd be nice to win another one, but that's just kind of my take.
0: I think they need to go – I agree with you for the record. I agree with what you said because a win gets you to six and five. We've always said that eight and ten mark is really, really close. But i I think they need two out of three here because if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's at TCU – And then Oklahoma State goes to West Virginia. West Virginia is in the same spot Oklahoma State is. I don't love that game. They've got Kansas State at home. I think that's a potential win for Oklahoma State. But Baylor was not a great matchup for Oklahoma State. Jonathan Chamuachachua is back. That might be a difficult game in the post. And then you go to Texas Tech, who you will see tomorrow night. But they're a tough out at home. So, I mean, that. Dustin, you need three wins, I think. And there's only eight games left, and they're mostly against really good teams. So uh <laughs> it's a it's a precarious situation that Oklahoma State is in. So what do you think they do? I I'll go I think they get two out of three there.
1: Yeah, I, I think they do too. And I was just gonna run through what Ken Palm has. So on Ken they have their projected scores, projected win-loss, and projected record at the end of the season. And and it changes with you know, injuries and how games end up, how opponents end up. So we've got, they've got Texas tech as a win. They've got Iowa state as a loss. They actually have the Kansas game as a win for Oklahoma state. Then they've got losses at TCU and West Virginia, and then finishing out with three straight wins, K state at home, Baylor at home, Texas tech on the road to end the season for Oklahoma state at 18 and 13 overall and nine and nine in conference. And I think that gets you in the tournament.
0: I think that gets you in, and I think you're well off the you know first last four in. I think you're probably at that at that rate, you're probably a 10 seed. And if you can go win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament, you could potentially play your way up into a seven. I it feels like a stretch right now. I think Dustin, I think OSU's best bet. Here's here's a hot take. I think OSU's best bet is figuring out a way to slide into the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed. If you get in at an 8-9, you're going to get matched up with a a Purdue more than likely because you know it looks like KU and even potentially a uh, Texas could end up being two one seeds out of the Big 12. I know Texas just lost, but there's a chance that that happens and it leaves you with a Purdue with a seven foot four big man. So I think OSU's best bet is to get in at even an 11 seed you would take because you get matched up with the six and then a three potentially. So all the fun stuff though, I'll say this, I love talking bracketology and I love it when Oklahoma State's in it and it feels like it's been too long.
1: So if they they take Texas Tech and KU, if they go two out of three and Kansas is one of those wins in these next three, I'm going to feel pretty confident that they can make the tournament and win more games out of those next what is it five yeah oh will yeah be in that because that'll if they win if they win two that'll put them at seven and six well and that's and two more quad be, one wins yeah and one of those will be KU at at home but it's KU still who's 11th right now on Ken Palm's rankings and then you and I personally just think they need to win one for sure for sure one if they get two, I mean, I think they're for sure. in. so you, you have to win two of the next five. So I think you're right. If they can get two, I think they need to get two of these next three. I'm kind of kind of change what I said originally, because now looking at it again, if they get two, I think they're, they're putting themselves in a pretty good spot to finish yeah, off the season.
0: I agree. And you know, I I'd like to say Oklahoma state handles Kansas state as they come into Stillwater, but you know, Kansas State also has shown they don't play all that well on the road. They shoot really well at home and they don't shoot well on the road. But, you know, does that change in a in a big-time environment? Oklahoma State's only two and a half games out of first place in the Big 12 Conference, by the way, which is hilarious. Insane. <laughs>
1: Absolutely I mean, insane.
0: If you would have told me that, I would have said you're insane. But I mean, and, and in a game tomorrow that they should win and find themselves right in the middle of things, Dustin, here's what I would say. Oklahoma state should do as well is figure out a way to avoid Wednesday night in Kansas city. If you can get to that six line or the five line in the big 12 conference, you know, get a tiebreaker against a, you know, Kansas state, or I I think a TCU would probably be right there. Figure out a way to do that. And win that game, I think Oklahoma state will be in no problem and it won't be a sweat, but you know, who knows at this point, it's a great, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. It's a great point. Kate, is that, is that all we got on basketball?
0: Man, I think so. The last thing I'll say is get to Gallagher Arena, man. I mean, Saturday. Good. Good. Saturday was um an electric crowd, but it was not packed to the rafters like I was I was begging Twitter to be. So, uh you got to get out there and support this team. They're working their tails off. I mean, Mike Boynton's going on an, on a tear right now, and you don't see a whole lot of six out of seven uh, wins in this conference, and and Mike Boynton's trying to do that and put Oklahoma State right back in the thick of it. So get to Gallagher, iva.
1: Yeah, I love it. I'll be there tomorrow if you want to say hey. I think I'm sitting in Section 2. We'll bleep that out. 204 if you want to come say hey. <laughs> There you go. Just come to 204 and wave your hands around, and I'll know you're trying to say hey to me. Start the feels uh, like
0: 45 chant. You know what it is.
1: I love it. Well, Cade, one quick note before we move on to softball, because I know we're going to talk a little softball to preview the start of the season this weekend. Baseball Media Day was Monday. Coach Josh Holiday talked with the media, and so did Nolan McClain, Rock Riggio, Marcus Brown, and Ryan Bogus. They all met. Had a lot of t- a lot of great quotes from that, Kate. I think we save this though for next week to really get Ooh. into baseball, because we're supposed to have a guest on next week. That'll be for any of you baseball fans. It'll be, I think you'll really enjoy this guest. Even if that doesn't happen, if the because there's some scheduling we got to work out, Kate and I will dedicate the next podcast to a baseball preview because that's what we we're planning on anyway. So, Kate, are you good with that? Kind of just holding off. Baseball starts February seventeenth in Arlington at Globe Life Field against Missouri. They play them on Friday. Then they play Vanderbilt that Saturday. Then they play Arkansas on Sunday. So it's going to be awesome start to the season against those three teams. That is awesome. And we'll kind of t- we'll kind of talk about what we think the lineup's going to look like what we think the pitching rotation is going to be like. We got a couple of questions on baseball, so we can hit those when we get to Twitter questions. But we're going to have a lot of good info for next week, and I don't really want to – I think if you and I start on the preview now, we're just going to go way too deep, and I kind of want to save it all for next week.
0: I I love it because now we can get right to softball, and I'm excited to to hear your take on this team.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I put out the depth chart, which – Coach Kenny Gajewski met with the media last Friday and he basically just went down the depth chart and said who were the starters were going to be for the first game. Yeah. Which is awesome. None of the other coaches I don't think would do that. So it's pretty awesome that coach Gajewski did that. If you haven't listened to it, pistols firing go to their YouTube account. They put up the entire 59 minute long presser coach Gajewski loves to talk. Also, OSU Max, if you follow them on Apple Podcasts, they just released Megan Robinson did an interview with Coach Gaieski. So you got almost two hours of Kenny Gaieski interviews from this past week that you can check out. Really good stuff there. So Cade. We start with Oregon on so this tournament's in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Bummer. All of Oklahoma <laughs> State softball's non conference games are awesome. So they, they really start are. Friday with Oregon. Then on Saturday, they play North Carolina. Then they play a doubleheader on Sunday versus Maryland and Ole Miss. So, all four Power Five big name teams there. It's going to be broadcast on Flow Softball. Flow Softball, Flow Sports is $30 a month, but hear me out it's free ad here for Flow. You're not only going to get the softball tournament, but the Globe Life baseball tournament the next weekend is on Flow Baseball and then wrestling also is on flow so if you just get one month at 30 bucks you're gonna get like eight oklahoma state events so i would say go ahead and sign up for
0: well it. and here let me let me slant this even further for you dustin if you're a fubo subscriber like i am which is a fantastic sports streaming service they now have Bally sports southwest on it so they now have the regional networks that was 20 dollars a month now it's included so this will only cost you 10 bucks a month when you cancel your Bally Sports Plus subscription. Are we gonna get sued for this? Telling people to cancel their subscriptions. I don't think I, so.
1: If someone wants to sue us, come after us. Come
0: well, after we've me. got Flow Sports' support with we're just trying to, you know <laughs> what? I'm I'm just trying to be your accountant here. Cancel that yeah, one, no. add this one.
1: I love it. Well, Kate and I will Kate and I'll be watching. I'll be putting up some videos. I think I'm gonna be able to watch at least two of these games live. So I'll be posting some videos. Pro Sports also has the on demand which we found out so we'll go back and watch some of these. But Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's kind of Kate, let's kind of go through what Oklahoma State lost and then talk about the depth chart that we put out earlier. Love it. So, so some of the big names from last season, Chelsea Alexander, who you'll be able to find her for the Professional Women's Softball, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma City Spark which start this June. They're one of two new teams added to that league. Chelsea Alexander will be playing for them. That'll be really cool. You can get, They already have their full website up and everything. You can check out their jerseys. Really, really cool stuff going on with the Oklahoma City Sparks. So Chelsea will be with them. Haley Busby, the big-time power hitter who had a little bit of a down year last year. She'll no longer be on the team. Morgan Day, one of the pitchers who's also married to Hunter Woodard. She's no longer here, out of eligibility. So is Busby. Miranda Ellish, the two-way phenom, who was one of you and I's favorite players, Cade. She's ran out of eligibility. Same with Sydney Pennington, one of the greatest softball players in Oklahoma State history. I think she's gonna be she's up there in the records books on like every single stat. Third baseman, she's out of eligibility. And then we've got the transfers, Julia Cottrell, who her and her dad also a coach no longer with the team she transferred to texas a&m who oklahoma state plays in the clearwater invitational oh, for their first fun. game so that'll be fun brianna evans transferred avery hobson transferred carly petty a and avery sim so uh and jeff cotrell the coach he went to a&m with julia so that's everybody they've lost They've got some really nice high school players coming in and transfers, including Talon Edwards, the big time Oklahoma City prospect who graduated early and enrolled at Oklahoma State, Lexi Kilfoyle, Kira Aycock, Rachel Becker, Michaela Wark, some big time transfers. So they lost a lot, Cade, but they're bringing back a ton. D1 softball, we've gone through all the rankings. They're either second or third in pretty much every poll. D1 softball has them second in the big 12 pool behind Oklahoma and they have OU, Oklahoma state, Texas, and Baylor all making the tournament out of the big 12. So it's going to be another really talented big 12. You know, there's only seven teams in the big 12 in softball. I still think Oklahoma state has a great shot to do a lot this season. And Cade, correct me if I'm wrong. We got a question about this. I'll shout them out later, but it was something I had in my notes already. I think the only way you say this season is successful for Oklahoma State is if they finish second or better in the Big 12 and make it as far as they did last season in the College World Series, which is the semifinal game with the hopes of winning it all. I think anything less than that's a disappointment with all the people you got out of the portal, the high school players and the players you have coming back, even with the players that you lost.
0: I agree with you and I think the the voters the reason Oklahoma State is that high is because they are of the belief that I think you and I are that Oklahoma State reloaded through the portal and through high school recruiting talent Edwards is going to be fantastic. Um Rachel Becker, I mean she's just an all-American just stepping in and going to play second base for the Cowgirls. No big deal, just an all-American. So I do think that Oklahoma State has absolutely reloaded in the portal and I think that I agree with you. I don't see how starting the season at number two or number three, I don't see how an exit before that semifinal round in the college world series leaves a good taste in your mouth. Obviously the college world series is a big deal. Getting there is hard, but I I think this team can advance. And I think that that's the expectation. Uh, I think they've got a lot of swagger. I think their head coach is not really afraid of Oklahoma. They Oklahoma, you know, they're loaded, right? But they lost Jacinolo, which is a big deal. So we'll see how they are this year. I think they may be, you know, there's there's people saying undefeated. Like, okay, are they gonna win every game or are they gonna lose a couple? They are gotta they come, come run to Stillwater. Rule
1: every single team like they did yeah, last year. <laughs>
0: that's the point. Like, they gotta lose some production without the best hitter in the history of college softball. So I, I just look at that and I'm like, okay, well, that opens a little bit of a window for Oklahoma state's, you know, chances in the, at least thinking about it in the preseason. So I like this team a lot. I'll be in Stillwater and I can't wait, but the the non-conference schedule to open the year is sweet. And I think they have uh Florida state coming to Stillwater uh, not too long from now. in the cowgirl uh, invitational. So should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. The, they, so yeah, they start, like you said, in Puerto Vallarta, And then they go to Clearwater, Florida, and they take on Texas A&M, Nebraska, Virginia Tech, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, and Michigan. Then they go to New Mexico. They play Nebraska, New Mexico, New New Mexico State, Cal State Bakersfield. Then they go to UTEP. Then finally, they're back at Oklahoma State for Maine, Missouri, South Dakota State, Tarleton, South Dakota State. So that's in the uh, OSU Tulsa Invitational, which they were in last year. And then the Cowgirl Invitational brings Florida State to Stillwater, who's one of the better teams in college softball. It's it's They play Arizona State, UCF. This is all non-conference. And then not even to mention that they're going to be playing teams like OU, Baylor, and Texas in conference. So a lot of good games. If you can make it out there, I would suggest – getting out there early these games sell out season tickets are sold out and they have been now for multiple years so it's a tough ticket to get but they have those decks in the outfield you can get the ga tickets out there it's a party okay just real quick yeah just since i put it out on twitter let's run through that depth chart so taylor tuck at catcher she split time last year with Cottrell she had some injury issues over in the past but coach Gajewski said she's fully healthy Audrey Snide Miller will be behind her. <laughs> and then Kate, like you said, Talon Edwards can do it all. Coach Gajewski said she's probably the third catcher. So she literally can play yeah, anywhere. That's it's pretty insane. At first base, you'll have Michaela Wark, who's a Kansas transfer. Behind her, you'll have Morgan Wynn, another Kansas transfer that we all know about. Rachel Becker, who you mentioned, is going to be playing second base. She also can play shortstop, you know, just hit over 400 the past two seasons. And she was an all-american <laughs> then you've got megan bloodworth who's going to be at third base she's a really talented transfer from alabama she's still got three years left of eligibility really good defender probably a little bit better in the field than at the plate but she still can hit shortstop kylie naomi we know her she's been there for forever hopefully she can pick up her hitting and look a little yeah. bit like it did earlier in her career than last year Callan Edwards will play left field, but she'll probably be all over the place. She's the freshman from Oklahoma City. Cheyenne Factor, the most solid player on the team, and she has been, I think, for the past several years, will be in center. And then Caitlin Carlisle, who came pretty much out of nowhere last year and was probably the best hitter on the team, she'll be in right. And then Lexi Kilfoyle will be the designated player. She'll probably be the number two pitcher behind Kelly Maxwell. Think of her a little bit like a Miranda Ellis. She can hit and pitch. She's got a nasty drop ball, which Kelly Maxwell we know doesn't really throw. So it'll be a nice one-two punch there with Kelly throwing her stuff. And then Lexi Kirkwell coming in with the drop ball. There'll be some other names that you'll see out there that won't be probably everyday starters that may play that designated player spot whenever... Lexi Kilfoyle isn't out there you know some of those other names that I mentioned like a Morgan Wynn could be out there as well so it's going to be a lot of fun this team should be able to hit yeah Lexi Kilfoyle an Alabama transfer too so Oklahoma
0: State I don't know what they're doing but they're they're attractive to teammates so that's pretty cool I I think Oklahoma again you look at the two Kansas transfers two Alabama transfers and then obviously um Rachel Becker from P- Purdue and all American. I-, I love the way they've reloaded this, this front of the roster. And I, I wondered as we were going through this, you know, even before, you know, who's, who's going to step in and replace that production from an Elish and others that are no longer with the team. Well, I think you have plugged in, you know, girls that can hit. So I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Kelly Maxwell has already committed to coming back next year as long as you have Kelly Maxwell on this team, you should be really good. And not to mention what you just said with adding all these hitters. I actually think this team, adding Becker, Bloodworth, Talon Edwards, Kilfoyle, even losing Elish and some of those other names that we mentioned, this may be a better hitting team than it was last year because I think Naomi's going to rebound. Busby had a down year last year and she was taking some at-bats. Carly Petty's a good hitter but I think some of these other girls they brought in are better. And we, we saw Brianna Evans start off the year hot and then kind of dwindle down as it moved on and no shot at her. She's a really good player and a great base runner, great second baseman. But I think they reloaded the bats better than they were a season ago.
0: And if that's the case, then the ceiling is the roof. I mean, if they are a better hitter (laughs) hitting team next year, this year, that, that, that that opens up everything. I believe that. So
1: yeah. So keep keep it locked here for softball. We'll be here. I'll be putting up clips. If baseball and softball are playing at the same time, Cade, I might be watching softball. <laughs> so we'll just kind of see how it goes. Last note before we get to questions. I know we don't talk a ton of cowboy wrestling on this podcast. Big one Baby, this week. Number six Michigan and then number eight Missouri. Luke Serber was voted NCAA uh wrestler of the week. They were some huge upset wins. Missouri has two number one ranked wrestlers that Oklahoma State went up against, and they were able to take down number Server, was able to take down number one, Rocky Elam. Pretty amazing. Dayton Fix got the major to kind of cap it off for Oklahoma State because I didn't even know this. They had to go to the tiebreaker, which is actually total match points. So Oklahoma State won 45 43 in those total match points. So that was pretty awesome. I think they take on South Dakota state on Friday and then they host San- Stanford, sorry, back at home on Sunday. If you're not watching cowboy wrestling, like every single match is either on ESPN plus or flow. Yeah. They're very exciting. They don't last very long. They're a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, no question. That was a big one this last weekend and Luke server with the takedown of number one. It's pretty sweet.
1: It was awesome. It, it's exciting to watch. The matches are really short. It's I know the one thing if you're new to wrestling is the the scoring. The announcers do a pretty good job of explaining it. There's a lot of good YouTube videos that can help explain it. And reach out to our guy Lee Cochran or Seth Duck, Duckworth at Pistol's Firing. They would be happy to answer your questions. Sorry guys if your DMs get blown up from that, but they've a- answered millions of my questions and they're both very nice, so.
0: Well, and and our our guy Lee might correct me. Wasn't it pitching any that pinned was it Spencer Lee that he pinned I- against Iowa a few years ago in Gallagher I can't remember who that pin came against but it was I think a number one and a very similar big you know match win right there so uh, it's pretty cool I'm not a big wrestling guy I don't even know all the terminology but I do know when cool things happen and last weekend was a really cool thing
1: yeah it was a lot of fun all right Cade do we have any audio
0: I don't think so. I didn't see any come through. Uh, we can probably flip to Twitter, and if if uh, if I see anything, I'll be sure to let you know.
1: All right, sounds good. So we got our first one, just kind of keeping it on softball here. Is Kelly Max, this is from GIA Enthusiast at Accounting Poke, or <laughs> ACCT Poke, is Kelly Maxwell the best athlete on campus?
0: Man, this is a good one. I it- would – At their craft, the most dominant, best at their craft, I would say it's probably Kelly Maxwell.
1: I think it's safe to say she's the most dominant. Yeah, and best at her craft.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, that's a really hard question to answer. Best athlete? That's really vague. But I would say, yeah, most dominant, best at their at their sport. It's got to be Kelly Maxwell, right? I mean, right now, Kayla Boone's doing pretty good, so.
1: Yeah, Caleb Boone might be in the running, but I love that question. Kelly Maxwell is going to go down as one of the greatest softball players in Oklahoma State history, right? and I'm excited to watch her for not one but two more seasons.
0: I love the question. Thanks for the softball love.
1: <laughs> Next, we got Sam Bouchert. That's at gopokes o2. What would you guys say is a successful season for baseball and softball? And what would be a disappointment? I know this can be a tough question, but I'm curious on your guys' opinion. And yeah. then Sam had some nice words for the pod, so we appreciated that. Kate, I might take a stab at this one first, if you, if you don't mind. So for softball, I think we already hit it. I would Agreed. say winning the Big 12, but the fact that OU is in the conference and they're the kind of odds-on favorite to win it again, I think you've got to finish second or better in the Big 12 and I think you got to make it to the semifinal game of the College World Series because even though you lost a bunch of production, pitching and hitting, you reloaded, which we talked about, with so much in the transfer portal and adding high school players like Talon Edwards, not to mention people like Naomi, Carl Tuck are all back, factor. I think it's got to be what you did last year or better or, or it wasn't a success.
0: No, I, I agree. I think we kind of answered it earlier on. Um, I, I think I agree with you for everything you listed. I'll take a stab at baseball, though. I think this is a little bit maybe lower ceiling. I don't think, you know, unless our, our guest next week predicts Oklahoma State going to win it all like he did last year, um, I would put a successful season as winning a game in the College World Series. I don't think getting there is going to be enough. I think they were really close last year to making it. I think they need to have a little bit more behind them this year. I would say the ceiling, a successful season, I should say, is winning a game in the College World Series. And anything below that I would say is is, you know, disappointing.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think those are I think those are pretty high expectations just with kind of how we've seen Oklahoma State. Falter a little bit in postseason play, but but I agree with you. I was going to say hosting a super and then making it to the College World Series, but I like winning the game, and I'm sure people who are li- listening are like that's literally almost as high as you can possibly go. <laughs> well, and you I know think, I think yeah. that they have to because they've got the preseason All Big Twelve pitcher of the year. They've got Nolan McLean coming back, who was a third round pick by the Baltimore Orioles. They've got guys like Carson Bench, who is an extremely highly touted recruit who hasn't even played yet. Really, the only, and we're, we're going to talk to our guests next week about, about it, or you and I will talk about it, but really, the only kind of question mark is the is the bullpen, wh- what right. they've got there. And because, you know, losing Justin Campbell was a question mark at the end of the season, but when you p- replace it with a Jaron Watts Brown, you know, I, I I know Justin Campbell was amazing, but Watts Brown is really good as well. So I think it's really just the bullpen because this team should be able to hit. They've got their ace. If they don't have a, a better season than they did last season, I think you're right. I think it's a disappointment yeah I think and, last season was
0: yeah and and I I probably could even you know scale it back a little bit I I, I would say hosting a super would be successful like I'm, I'm not gonna say that if they if they host a super regional that it would be disappointing and I, I actually was for whatever reason was mistaken in my mind uh it's been a long day long week Dustin that Arkansas last year was obviously not a super they didn't get out of their own regional. so yes an improvement Is great, but I don't think that that's where Oklahoma State has their sights set for all the reasons you listed. They're bringing in pitcher, like apparently the best pitcher in the Big 12. They're bringing back Rock Riggio, Nolan McLean, guys that have proven themselves at this level. I I think you've got to host a super. And, you know, again, I, I do think that College World Series is well in play here. And I think that is their expectation, too. So,
1: yeah, no, I agree. That's that's a great question. I uh, really appreciate it that, really Sam. Is. Okay, next, moving on to Patrick at Patty Longlegs underscore. He says, I have a theory that the change in defensive style, so one fewer defensive linemen in that three-down look, is signaling that Gundy is going to put more scholarships on the offense, more specifically the offensive line, because he's tired of seeing it getting derailed by injuries year after year. Cade, your thoughts?
0: Well, by default, I mean, if you're not recruiting as many defensive linemen, I mean, I don't know. You You would probably take that and put it at linebacker, though, right? I, I mean, I think you could split this a thousand different ways and say, well, you know, changing defensive philosophy allows you flexibility at X. But I don't believe that Mike Gundy thinks that the offense has been shorted scholarships I've never I've never heard him say that I don't know if you have Dustin but I've never heard that insinuated so I wouldn't say it in this case but I do like what you're saying and on the offensive line I wonder if that kind of preferred walk-on program with the offensive line is a little bit of an indicator as to maybe they do believe they need more but they're not willing to throw the scholarships there because they may need another linebacker you know what I mean
1: yeah, and Kate, I'm not gonna add too much on because that's that's exactly where I was going. That was a perfect point. I would say though, because we've heard Gundy talk about it so many times, when they made that shift to having more scholarships on the defense, he's talked about how he really likes that. And he he's brought it up multiple times. Yep. So If you asked me, you know, this same question a year or two ago, I'd say no, even though they made this, even if they were making a style change like this on defense, but to your point, the fact that he's, they're bringing in so many, I think there's 12 third walk-on offensive linemen in total. It feels like maybe, maybe he would shift a scholarship back over to that side with this change. But what we, we don't know. It's a great call out, Patrick, like Cade said. I think it's something that to definitely watch and kind of see how these next couple recruiting classes go. I know we really loved having those extra scholarships on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know, but I think it's a great call out, like Cade yeah. said.
0: And it, and if it is one, I don't know if that signals a a change in recruiting philosophy or scholarship allotment. But if there's, you know, three or four scholarships that get slotted over to the offense, absolutely. I I love the question. Great, great. Um an analytical look at where things are at patty Longlegs, great twitter yeah too.
1: love that love that all right next we got brian metcalf at brian j metcalf thanks brian for the question he says with the football transfer portal here to stay it got me wondering about all sports who do you guys think are the most important transfers oklahoma state has had across the major sports on campus kate i didn't really have a ton of like Time to think about this one. I saw it earlier, but then I kind of forgot. It's a great question from Brian. The first one that comes to mind that's recent: Jalen Warren in it's football. A great
0: one, right? Great one. I, Tay Martin would be another.
1: Tay Martin. Those are some, and I want to stay. Let's try to maybe just keep it in the re, in recent transfer history and transfer portal because if we go too far back, you know, there's a lot of guys who transferred sat out and then you kind of forget that she transferred from well, somewhere I'll give you, but yeah endorsing in uh, in baseball
0: it's pretty good i'll give you one in basketball musa Sise. absolutely musa some people forget that he was a transfer P- he came from memphis and uh, i think he would be one i would also say I, it has not been matched with the production on the court but in terms of like impact and hype I don't know if we've had a transfer come in at any sport on any sport with the hype and anticipation that Bryce Thompson came in with. So oh, you, you're just waiting for the day, but he was, I mean, it was just under that tier of Cade Cunningham excitement. So uh, those two guys uh, stick out M- to me.
1: Miranda Ellish. Ooh, almost led the softball, helped lead the softball team to a, a college world series title.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, absolutely a good one there.
1: I think, Who, I think if we go recent and we go through those sports and I, I'm sure there's some in wrestling, tennis, soccer, that would, that we're missing here. But if we're going to go softball recently, I think Miranda Ellis, you have to put up there. If you're going to go football, I think Jalen Warren and Tay Martin or two that kind of really stand out there. And like you said, basketball, Sise and Thompson, I think are, and if, if you're looking at baseball, <laughs> even though he hasn't played yet i think you got to go watts brown getting the all big 12 pitcher of the year preseason award and then griffin griffin dorshing but with baseball you got to kind of remember that a lot of these guys transfer from juco so if we're just talking you know non-juco transfers i think griffin dorshing's a big one
0: yeah i i like it i would also go i kind of went low-hanging fruit in basketball stick with basketball though bryce williams you know, he was a three year guy at Oklahoma State and I think tried to go for a fourth, but couldn't quite swing it. Maybe it wasn't three. Yeah. I think maybe it was two. I f- I forget. He was there for a long time and he was a starter and a key part of that rotation. Uh, and I think you just see that a lot more in college basketball. There's less scholarships and you're looking for instant impact.
1: So, and, and for the future, let's go ahead and just say Alan Bowman. Hey, let's go ahead and throw him in. There. I like we got it. Watts Brown in baseball and we'll say Rachel Becker in softball oh man i like it a lot nice work all right next we got garth still at garth underscore still thanks cards for the question he has some good ones will gundy have a regular spring game or practice cade with the injuries sustained last year i would almost guarantee it's not a full game there's no way it hasn't been for so long I could see it going back to it at some point but this next season with all the injuries on the offensive line. And with, we know Gundy hated. it. We, so we already talked about the 3rd the walk-ons that they've had more than ever on the offensive line. It's because in the spring last year, they didn't even have enough offensive linemen for a first and second team.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I think they fixed that, you know, it helps, but I, I thought he kind of did that before. no, has, has the glorified practice not been a thing for the last couple of years? Am I misremembering that? Yeah,
1: No, no it has. It has. And I, I think they keep with it. I was just saying at some point, maybe yeah. I, I think I see them going back. Yeah, but, no, I, I
0: agree with you. I agree.
1: Um. Okay, let's move to a couple baseball questions that'll wrap it up. First, we got Henry Marshall, at Henry S. Marshall. He says, how do you see the baseball weekend rotation looking with the departures of Campbell, Campbell, Fan Soccer, Medeiros, Oz, and other bullpen pieces. Watts Brown will start Fridays, but the rest of the staff seems messy. Okay, that's kind of what we just talked about. They've got Watts Brown, and we'll definitely ask our guest next week this question. If he doesn't come on, we'll go into it a little bit farther. But, you know, they got Jansen Kiesel from BYU. They've got Brennan Phillips, the left-hander coming in from high school. They got Brian Hendry, another transfer. Nolan McLean's arm could be used as a closer or as a starter. Ryan Bogus could be used as a starter. Your could be used as a starter. I'm just not real. I'm not sure what exactly holiday is going to do there and what coach Walton is going to do, but there are a lot of, I wouldn't say unproven guys, but maybe unproven at Oklahoma state that I think could be in the mix. How, and I do think it's going to be kid. You might see some of these early games, these, Saturday and Sunday starters give up a, some hits until they get kind of comfortable in this rotation with the ballpark with the guys playing in the field behind them. But I think they have the talent there to be really good. But you're right. You're right, Henry. It is the question mark kind of going into the season along with the rest of the kind of middle of the bullpen.
0: Yeah, it it absolutely is and I think it's worth questioning. I mean, you look at um kid that transferred to OU and I his name is escaping me. Um at the current second but it's guys davis. like thank you thank you it's guys like that um that that hurt i mean i you lose some guys to graduation but that's a guy that would have been you know day two starter right i mean it's 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 warren Watts brown on friday it's Kyle davis on saturdays uh so i i don't know and, what they're gonna do but it's kind of scary
1: in the bullpen it- is really talented. I'm not saying it's a question mark. I think it's a question mark of kind of how they're going to use these guys. Like, is Nolan McClain going to stay as closer? Are they going to use him as a starter? Some is Bogus going to stay in the bullpen? Is he going to be a starter? Just where are these guys going to kind of end up? You know, Baden Root, a I- the transfer from Ohio state that we saw quite a bit last year, yep. how much of an impact does he make this year? So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think there's going to be some growing pains early in the season, but I wouldn't let that get you down because I think it'll sure up. Cause it's very, very talented.
0: Yeah. It's a good ballpark to, you know, pitch in as well. It's, it's pitcher friendly. So we'll see yeah. as they break the, uh, break the rust off of this lineup and see, see where they go.
1: For sure. Last question from our guy, Robert Dennis friend of the pod at RT Dennis. He says last year, OSU baseball was eighth in average attendance. Pretty great showing by folks fans. Do you think that number increases this year?
0: Ooh, I mean, it was pretty full on, on most, you know, big games. I would say if they find some early season success, it will increase, but eighth, I mean, who's that behind? I mean, that's behind LSU, well, A&M and and
1: the 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 top 4 they can't even get to those right. numbers because O'Braid only holds 8k and Arkansas LSU Mississippi State and Ole Miss are all at 10 well Ole Miss at 9.9 but 10, 10 plus. and if you've never been to the only one of those I've been to is LSU stadium I'm sure the other ones are awesome I know my dad's been to Arkansas but Alex Box 2 it's their the second Alex Box is sick. I like Oprah better, but it's, it's right up there.
0: Yeah. I have heard great things. And that's actually why I was asking. It was like eighth in total number is actually surprising to me because it's not the biggest ballpark in the United States, but I would say in terms of percentage, it's gotta be pretty high up there as well.
1: So to Robert's point they're at 5.6 was the average 5.6 thousand. So they could bump that up.
0: Yeah. No question. I can no see question. it going a little bit
1: higher. I really could. Uh, If they, if Watts Brown is as good as advertised, which I think he will be. And they're able to sure up Saturday and Sunday and they start off on a little run early in the season. I think you can get some big numbers for big 12 play. Absolutely.
0: Well, you should be selling out those series against like tech and TCU and others. Um, I don't know if they actually have those at home this year. I think they should have Texas at home, West Virginia at home. I don't have the schedule right in front of me at this moment, but you're exactly right. It should be a, uh, a great year. And if they get off to an early start, I, I do think that this could be a, uh, a special run in Stillwater this year.
1: Okay. Cade, let's finish it with a fun question. It's Robert's second okay. part of his question. He says, okay. Nolan McLean, more pitching appearances or home runs this season. So I'll give you last year's numbers before you answer last year, he appeared in 23 games and he had 19 home runs. So appearances as a pitcher were four higher than his home run total. I think
0: he's going to have more appearances as a pitcher. I think he's going to be relied on more heavily. It's been more talked about at least potentially as a closer. And I don't know if he's going to hit 30 homers this year. If he does, shoot, that would be fantastic, but I don't I don't necessarily see it.
1: I agree with you, but I do still think the home run number's high. I just think that appearance number maybe goes up a little bit, but I think right. he's right around, and he needs to be because they're losing some power with Thompson and Griffin Dorshing and guys like that no longer on the team, so he needs to continue to hit bombs.
0: Yeah, no question.
1: It'll be interesting
0: to see, though, too, because both of those guys, Dorshing and Thompson, just raked so are they going to go a little bit more small ball and hopefully mclean just starts jacking it out of the park we'll see because i do think they have in in like guys like zach Earhart. like i i think they have good hitters but maybe not a ton of power so maybe they move the ball around the yard a little bit and and they become the 2015 royals who
1: knows zach Earhart, most underrated athlete on campus i think
0: absolutely up there he's fantastic should be a good year, though. I'm excited for softball, obviously, starting this weekend. So,
1: yeah. And like, like we said earlier, we're either going to have a baseball guest on next week or Kate and I will just do the baseball preview ourselves. But if we have the guest on, it'll be a lot of fun. And Kate, it'll be a lot of fun if it's just me and you as well. But Kate, that's all the questions we have this week. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. We got a lot of Twitter followers over the past couple of weeks. So that's been awesome. Thank no, you guys deal. so much. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the likes, the retweets, the commentary, the DMs. Any way that you guys want to communicate, we love it. We also have an Instagram, which I know Kate always shouts out on the pod. Let us know what you guys think about what we're talking about. You can send us your helmet decal, images, mock-ups, and uh, we're we're always down to chat.
0: Well, I think Dustin just signed us off. That was outstanding. Appreciate you guys as always. It's a huge week for Cowboy Basketball. I think they can steal one in names. That'll be my kind of mic drop of this, the end of this podcast. I think they've got a chance up there. We'll see if they can go two and oh, not just one and one. So, Dustin, a pleasure as always talking to you. Thank you for powering through the technical difficulties with us as we finally deliver this episode of the Feels Like 45 podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram there at like 45 pod You can follow Dustin at DustRagu, and you can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. Keep it locked to our Twitter next week. We could have some variability as to when the episode will be released, but we will be sure to let you guys know when we know. Keep it locked with us. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pokes.